If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. You would not believe the amount of effort it took just to record this however long this is going to be intro. Uh, I've tried like 10 times and uh, my kids just will not cooperate. And so I'm just going to let this go because it's quiet so far. And if it's quiet all the way through, I don't care how it comes out. We're just going to roll with it. So uh, I hope you guys are doing okay. I know things are just crazy right now and uh, I I just hope you're doing well. Um, Today, I want to introduce you guys to uh, Bernadette Wolt. Uh, and I did say her name right that time. I butchered it in the beginning part of the episode because I was watching CNN and Wolf Blitzer was on at the time and I just see Walt and I think Wolf. And so anyhow, we had a little laugh, made an ass of myself, but, uh, I went ahead and left that in. So you can all have a good laugh at my expense and, uh, Bernadette was awesome about it. So, uh, this was a really fascinating conversation. She is very sort of research oriented and, uh, scientifically oriented. And so, she has a very unique perspective. Uh, she's a single mom to twins. One is autistic. The other isn't, uh, we have a very interesting conversation about, you know, schooling and just her, her journey, uh, with her, with her daughter being diagnosed and, and some of the, the kind of cool things that you learn about autism, uh, in twins is, is really fascinating because I've always been interested in that. And so, uh, I encourage you guys to stay tuned. I think I got it all the way through without my kids interrupting, although they do interrupt a bunch of times in the episode. So, you just have to be patient. It's my life. So anywho, uh, we'll be back in a minute after this quick commercial break. Stay tuned. Uh, and we're back. And um, today we're having another uh, kind of parent to parent conversation about 
you know, as I'm saying this, I hear my kids screaming. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no news is good news, right? I think we'll just go with that for mm. right now. Uh, <laughs> um, God, I didn't even get started and they're already there. Uh, so, so we're going to have another parent to parent conversation about just life as an autism parent and, you know, how the, the challenges that you face and, and, and kind of learn about each other's lives and just sort of see the things that we have in common versus, um, you know, some of the differences, you know, with kids having the exact same diagnosis, how profoundly different they can be. Um, so my guest today is Bernadette Wolf. Wolt. God damn it. All right. I'm going to take that out. I have it. I have it written right there. And I just, said it, I just said it wrong. You were not the first person to put that F on the end. Believe me. A well, lot I keep of thinking we, we were talking about CNN and I was just, I was watching Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Blitzer. Yeah. And, and that, when I see that, that's the first thing that pops into my head. Um, so uh, <laughs> my guest today is Bernadette Wolt. And uh, she's an autism mom. And uh, we're just going to have some conversation about life and whatever is kind of going on. So so that everybody out there can kind of get a, a better understanding of just how different, you know, one autism family can be from another. Because I think sometimes we forget um, that there's a lot of differences that, that fall under the same diagnosis and it can be kind of confusing. And, uh, it's nice to, to kind of see some of the diversity and, and, uh, kind of the unique things that make us sort of, um, awesome, amazing, uh, autism families. So thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I really thank appreciate that. Could you, uh, just take a minute and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Well, um, I am 50 years old. I'm a single mom of twin daughters who are 10. So the, the motto is, ladies, if you are 40 or older, don't think you're off the hook. Keep up with your birth control pills. But um, I had them at 40. Um, they're my joy. I, I always wanted kids, so I was really thrilled to finally get to have some. Um, they are homeschooling, which they're happy about. Um, they like to hang out with each other, which is kind of nice. Um, I was always a single parent, so their father and I split when I was pregnant. Um, we found out when the girls were five years old um he passed away i'm sorry and that was a difficult thing to talk with them about because they hadn't even ever met him right um the good news of that at the time he passed away he was living um on his father's property and he had not made his family aware of our presence um, in the world. So when he passed away, uh, things came to light and we got to, the girls got to meet their grandfather and their grandmother and now have a great relationship um, with my mother who 
is still alive as well as their dad's parents. Oh, that's good. So yeah, it turned out, it turned out good in the end. Um, but always being a single parent, you know, even during the pregnancy, I knew that my prayer with twins was just, please don't be identical. Please don't be identical. <laughs> um, I knew it was going to be difficult enough. Um, but, you know, I've always um, had a good support system, you know, in Texas uh -huh. when we lived there, they, they were born in Houston. Um, and my friends were very excited for me. So they were very supportive and um, very helpful. I moved back to Wisconsin when they were seven months old. And so um, my parents, my mother and my sister and um, my best friend, Rachel, have just really stepped up to help out, uh, especially after Lily was diagnosed when she was three and a half. So they're, they're not identical. They are not identical. No, okay. Lily's a brunette and Gabby's a blonde. So thank goodness. I could okay. always tell them apart. Cause I, I um, wanted to, I wanted to ask, well, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead and, I, go ahead and finish. No, it's okay. Well, well, it always, it always interests me when, when there are twins and one is autistic and one isn't. And mm -hmm. I, I, is it because they're paternal twins or uh, and not identical, or can you can you have not two identical twins who are one's autistic um, and one isn't? That has happened. Huh. Yeah, um, you know, after Lily's diagnosis, I went back to college and finished a degree in psychology instead of what I had originally planned because um, at the university I attended, there was a professor who's still there who does neurological research on autism. Mm -hmm. So he actually looks at um, brain cell growth during development and onward. And twin studies are probably some of the most interesting ones we can do in any type of science because you are comparing two people, even if they're only fraternal twins, they share 50% of their DNA, just like any other sibling. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 50% of the genes are going to be exactly the same in those two siblings. But when they're fraternal twins, you also have the same prenatal environment. You have almost the same nurturing environment. You know, if they're raised together in the same household, mm -hmm. um, and you have a real large swath of genetic environment that's the same. So when you compare the two and one has autism and one doesn't, um, you can see some really interesting differences, even just in behavioral studies that have been done, much less, you know, like neuroscience. Do you happen to know anybody else who has twins? Where one is I have some friends that um, a couple that have twins, but nobody that has um, Identical? twins where anybody has special needs at all. Really? The only other person, yeah. well, besides you, uh, uh, my friend Holly, do you know Holly Robinson, Pete? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she, she has twins, uh, Ryan mm -hmm. and RJ. RJ is autistic and, and Ryan's not. And, uh, that was always just, it was always fascinating to me. Cause I, like, I didn't know, 
I, when I was in college, I went to school for forensic psych and one of the, I had to take abnormal psych, uh, one year as part of the requirements. And I did a, there was a thing on schizophrenia in identical twins and, but they, they would have twins that were, you know, it was separated at birth. And then there were some that, you know, they, you know, were one, one grew up in a, a really rough environment. And then the other one would grow up in a, in a nurturing, loving environment. It was kind of a nurture versus nature kind of thing. And one of the twins would develop schizophrenia and the other one wouldn't. And, you know, and I think, I think they say that cause my oldest is schizophrenic and my understanding is, is that it can be kind of triggered. Like, like it may be there, but it sometimes like traumatic events or health problems or something can kind of trigger it to, sure. to activate or whatever. And if it's a nurture versus nature thing, then I guess that would make sense with the twins. But I just, I just wondered if, if, if that was like how common that is, you know, I don't think it's that common, but I haven't seen too many studies on it either. Hmm. So it would be interesting to, to have some more studies done of that. Um, you know, they used to call what we now call autism. They thought was a form of schizophrenia for quite some time. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, because there was such a, in some people, there was such a disconnect in making eye contact or this or that. And if a person stemmed vocally, of course, who were they talking to? Are they having a, it must be a delusion, um, that kind of deal. So, and genetically there are some similarities in the way that expresses the genes that are affected. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a different kind of thing. Um, my daughter that does not have autism is, I think, more worried about her sister developing something else than anything. Mm. Um because that's something else you get into with because they are twins. They're super close. Yeah. Um, but that was the blessing of being able to diagnose Lily so early. Um, she, her, her ability to pull up to a standing position happened six months after her sister, her ability to walk was almost seven or eight months after her sister, she couldn't pivot. So her sister, you know, two-year-olds, mine were the terrible threes, really. The twos were fun. (laughs) They just ran all over the house, but Gabby would take off sissy chase. So she wanted her sister to chase her. So Gabby would run and Lily would turn her head and the rest of her body no proprioception. Huh. No sense of where her body is at all. And she would lean her body to run and she hadn't turned her shoulders or her hips or her feet. And she would smack smack into walls and stuff. That's that's sensory, isn't it? Well, yes and no because 
I mean, yes, you sense that, but it's not something that's overtly sensory. So it's not, um, we don't think about it, I guess is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. You know, do you think about picking up each foot and moving your foot in a certain way when you go to take a step to walk? No. But for someone who has a problem with proprioception, they might have to do that when they're learning how to walk. It needs to be more deliberate. Um, yeah, the, it has to be very um, step by step and very little. So it, it, there were a lot of things that took a lot longer with mm -hmm. Lily. But at, at, by the time she was three and we couldn't get her respond to her name, I couldn't do it. Daycare couldn't do it. Um, you know, my friend Rachel, she would watch them. Sometimes she couldn't get her to do it. You had to go up and physically touch Lily and say, hey, I need your attention now for her to stop what she was doing and pay attention. Um, Did you ever think she that's was, when I there were he issues with hearing? No, she just wouldn't respond to you vocally. I, I, I asked because my, my youngest, um, who, if I get interrupted, will be the person who interrupts us. Uh, <laughs> he did in the last one I was recording earlier. He, he, he was nonverbal when he was for the first four or five years of his life. Um, and then, and then it was more, it was nonverbal first. Then they said more preverbal because he would, he would make sounds, but he wasn't using words. And so it was like a melody that he would make noise. Um, but, uh, he, Oh, total brain fart. I have no idea where I was going with that. That train just, phew, I ran off the rails. And I, and I think what I was going to tell you, well, I know what I was going to tell you now. My, when, when you're talking about, when I asked you whether she was um, test, like her hearing was tested, like if you thought she was unable to hear. My, they did test her hearing, yes. My my youngest, uh, he was nonverbal. Then they said preverbal. And then he, like he just, he never responded to anything. Like you couldn't call his name and, and him turn around or whatever. Uh, we, we had him for hearing additional hearing screenings and he failed every one of them. Like even, even the ones where they put him in a sound booth and they're tracking his eye movements, uh, because like you can ignore a sound, but your eye, you can't control whether your eyes look towards that, whatever. And he wouldn't respond to anything. Uh, and, and so they're like, we're pretty sure he's, he's deaf, but we need to confirm that through an ABR, which is they, you know, they sedate him and then they put electrodes on his and they measure brain activity. Uh, to make sure he's processing the sound and he was processing everything just fine. And they're like, he's just ignoring you. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. Like how do you, how, like we could literally walk up behind him and bang pot lids together and he wouldn't react. I mean, we would physically have to, when you mentioned you'd have to go like tap her or touch her, that's what we would have to do. And, yeah. and it was, he had just been, he'd just been tuning us out this whole time. So years we thought he couldn't hear. We had learned sign language and, uh, and, and, and he was just ignoring us and they were like, Oh, he's not deaf. He's just autistic. And, and we're like, well, a, that's not how we wanted to find out. And B, they make it sound like he just won the lottery or, or something. And, <laughs> and it, and it was just, it was kind of a, a shitty way to tell us mm -hmm. the diagnosis. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like, they thought it would be the best thing we could hear. 
and it, I mean, it is what it is and it isn't, I mean, he's just Emmett. I don't see, I don't, I don't, I don't look at my kids and see autism. I see Emmett drives me crazy because he, you know, doesn't like to wear all of his clothes. You know, he, he never wears a shirt. He's always barefoot. And, and I'm like, dude, you got to put, you have school. You have to put clothes on. You cannot. He's like, well, I'll cover up with a blanket or something. I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) no. You, you're going to wear clothes. I mean, and so I don't see that as autism or sensory. I mean, I know it is, but I just just see (laughs) Emmett and I see the kind of weird things that he does and, and they're kind of endearing and they're, I mean, they're probably going to be more annoying as he gets older if we don't get through some of them. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't, I don't see it anymore that way. But, uh, when you, when you said that, and one of the reasons why I love these conversations, because you said that, and that just like brought me back to that. And it's sort of what derailed my thought, uh, in that moment. Cause I, I was like transparent. I hadn't thought about that in years. And I just sort of went back in time, uh, to, you know, him, you know, I was thinking that he couldn't hear and, and having to do that same thing. So the, these, I love these conversations. So, um, well, that was, that see, really I knew cool. she could hear because she would tell Gabby to do it for her or she would give Gabby the answer <laughs> or, you know, things like that after a while. So it wasn't, I think so much that Lily wasn't processing it or that Lily was trying to ignore it. She just couldn't get out information in a quick enough way that people thought she was in any way being responsive to them sometimes. I wonder there were other times. Yeah. She wouldn't answer at all. I wonder if like if twins, Uh if it's kind of one of those, like they would finish each other's sentences or like they, they're so in tune with each other that she didn't have to vocalize things. Her sister just knew. I had to, you know, Gabby is amazing kid. She's just an amazing kid. Um, But I literally would have to stop her and say, no, no, let sissy use her words because she would just tell me everything for her. Lily would just look at her and Gabby could tell you everything that needed to be said. Even when they were babies i had them in a crib together Mm -hmm. uh, because they really always liked being by each other and they still sleep in the same bed together this is you know they they prefer it um but even when they were babies lily cried really softly like if i were 10 feet away from the crib with my and my apartment was all like open doorways there were Mm -hmm. no there was only a door on the bathroom. Everything else was this big open concept. Mm-hmm. Literally, if I were 10 feet away, I could not hear Lily cry. She cried that softly. But if she cried, Gabby would start crying. And Gabby, you know, Gabriel means the voice of God. And I really hit the mark with Gabriella's <laughs> name because holy cow. <laughs> You are going to hear that child all the way in Ohio. <laughs> That's funny. Loud. So I heard her and I'd come running. I'd get to the crib and Gabby'd hush hop, and look at Lily. And there's Lily with her little quiet cry. Huh. She was hungry. She needed to be changed or whatever. You know, they, they've always had this really awesome connection. But, um, 
at that checkup when I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm suspecting maybe we should get Lily tested for autism and the response from my pediatrician, but she did agree with me um, because in side by side comparison, Lily's abdominal muscles weren't developing mm -hmm. properly. And she said, why don't we get her into some physical therapy? And so she referred us, we went to the physical therapist and this is a physical therapist that only works with kids. And probably 80% of the kids this lady worked with were special needs kids of yeah. some type. And was she with was with kids. her for an hour. Mm -hmm. And she came out and she took me aside and she said, I, I don't know if anyone has said this to you, but have you ever considered having her tested for autism? And I just about laughed because I was like, yeah. <laughs> and got us the referral. And what so... So was the diagnostic process, was it, was it, was the process itself more difficult than getting people to sort of take you seriously, if that makes sense? No, actually. Once, once she get, sent us that referral, mm -hmm. um, it was a really great program that the doctor drove to our house. Yeah. Um, she did the, the first two hour interview with me mm -hmm. and then going over, as we all know, the mounds and mounds of carpal tunnel induced team paperwork. Oh that you my get God. To. Yeah. Um, so did all that and talked with her and went over everything that I could a week later, she was scheduled to come back and the poor lady got the flu. As soon as she was done having the flu a week after that, she drove the three hours from her office back to our house. Yeah. To do the couple hour observation of Lily and testing. Wow. And finished it up. And, you know, we had a diagnosis and. That's so different than what we were. Yeah. We were we, very fortunate. We, uh, well, Emmett was part of a couple of research studies because he presented in such a kind of bizarre way. Um, but he was, there was a lot of, it, I mean, we, most of it was done at Akron Children's Hospital. Um, and, and we had to, I mean, we had to take the kids there and there was a lot of, there was the observation, there was lots of paperwork. There was, I mean, the, the whole process was like months and months and months to get from A to B, uh, to get your diagnosis. And then you get the diagnosis and then you have to convince the schools that, you know, because there's a, there's an educational autism diagnosis and there's a medical uh -huh. diagnosis for autism and they like to split, split hairs over that. Um, so, so yours was actually really positive. I've never heard of it being done like that before. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the part after that, though, is when it gets hard because this was before the ACA got passed. Mm. Um, so here I am, um, a college student who's also working a job and taking care of, you know, the two girls. Um, and I want to see what kind of therapies I can get her help with. 
Mm-hmm. So I start researching them. Well, um, we don't accept your insurance. 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 We are not approved for our insurance. If you want to sign up for a new one, that's a pre-existing condition, blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. The same runaround. We, Wisconsin had a program to provide services for kids that their parents couldn't afford it or the insurance wouldn't cover it. You had to get on a wait list. Mm-hmm. We got on the wait list. And 11 months, 10 months later, we were fixing to be at the top of the wait list. Social worker had to come in and go ahead and relook at hers um, and decide, did she still need services? The social worker came to our home to do that interview. And at the end of it, looked at me and said, well, she's speaking, so she doesn't qualify for services. So because she was verbal, she didn't qualify for the services. One moment. One second. Emmett, can you just open a door, please? I, I, I know that you're there. <laughs> you, you don't need to be rude. I understand, Emmett. Emmett? Okay. I understand that. You guys know that I was working. So I need you out, please. Can you, can we talk about this in a few minutes? No, we'll talk about it in a few minutes or in a little bit. Thank you. That was Emmett. They're going to be okay. Oh yeah. 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 He just, it's, well, before we actually started recording this, we got into the conversation, like we started um, talking about how like the show was going to work and all this other stuff. And then we got onto this whole other conversation and then uh, he's, I schedule everything for like an hour and oh, it's okay. over, it's over an hour, dad. And and he's got no qualms about it. He just opens the door and he's like, meow, really loud. He's <laughs> like, you've been in here for over an hour, which is, you know, I'm like, that's not very polite because everybody can hear what you're saying. <laughs> and, uh, and it, but it, but it's, they, I, I have to be so careful because they, it's literally, everything is literal. And if I say, guys, sure. I'm going to be about an hour, they'll give me a minute or two minutes one way or the other. And then it's like, okay, well you're done. Cause you know, we're not going to let you do any more. He, he, I don't know what he wanted. I don't think he needed anything. He just wanted me to know that he knew that I was longer than I said I was going to be. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to have to deal with it cause they're just, they're fine. This is, <laughs> this is daddy's sanity time. <laughs> right. <laughs> they need, they need me to have the, yeah, I do better when I have my sanity intact. Um, so sorry about that, but I leave all that stuff in now because people have really said they, they like knowing that they're not the only person that struggles with trying to have conversations without their kids, uh, barging in. So that was Emmett. He shows up in almost every episode, at least once. (laughs) Um, I should just start putting him in the credits. You know, (laughs) it's not a bad idea. It might give him (laughs) a little more. (laughs) Sensitive. You have, he could be like your assistant. Well, I've tried, you know, I've tried that. And I, I said, you know, maybe we can just do like this, like a small little segment every other time or something where you just come on and you can tell us about all the kind of, he likes, he has this infinite knowledge of kind of bizarre facts for things. And I'm like, we could just do something where you just tell people things that they don't know. You know, I mean, just That's be like, these are cool. facts by Emmett or something like that. 
but then when it's when it's planned, he wants nothing to do with it. It's I don't know what it is. It's like it's like you know as soon as you as soon as you go in the bathroom, they need you. Or as soon as you close the door, because I have this whole thing is set up in my room, and I and I close the door, and this is like the only place I have personal space in the house, and I don't even have that anymore. And uh, I don't know what it is, but as soon as you need to like work, it's they need you for every tiny little decision. And and there, there wasn't even I don't even know what he needed because he just wanted to let me know I was over my limit. Yeah. <sighs> Kids. <laughs> It'll um, be okay. Oh yeah. You know, you can't, and it's a teaching moment for everybody out there listening. You can't, you can't take things too seriously. Like I used to get really frustrated because I'm really, um, like, I feel like I don't have a whole lot of control over everything in my life right now because of COVID and, you know, being a single parent and all the things that have changed That's in my life. That's pretty and normal feeling. Yeah. yeah. And so when I record these, I want quiet because I feel like, like I have some control over how the audio is going to come out. And then when they just, he doesn't even quietly knock. He's like, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and, and he's not whispering. He's just like, you know, and I'm thinking, God bless it. Like it just, but now it's like, you know what? I expect it. And I find humor in it most of the time. And, uh, I think it's educational for people to know that this is, you know, life and, and, uh, and whatever. And you can't take it too seriously or, or, I mean, you'll end up having a stroke or something. I mean, you can't, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how people ask all the time, like, how do I do it? And it's like, I find humor in everything. And, uh, my, 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 uh, my ex-wife would tell you that she had, (laughs) she had four kids. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because I, I mean, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's how I survive, you know? So guys don't take life too seriously. Um, so your, so your, your, your diagnostic process was actually really positive. That was a, yes, we were very fortunate. And then you went to, and so then you guys did, uh, like physical therapy and stuff like that. And that's, that's what my kids did as well. They had, there was, they still have like poor muscle tone. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we found, um, different, a lot of different stuff we do at home mm -hmm. because our cases are so high here. Um, you know, our last checkup, I talked to, you're referring to to go back to PT and OT and all of that. You're referring to COVID, right? Yeah, the but case our caseload is so high yeah. in Wisconsin that I'm want not to do that for a few more months until things die down again, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, um, but because we've been at home for so long, and Lily has been homeschooled since fourth grade, so they're in fifth grade this year. Mm-hmm. Um And because she started out the school year at public school, insurance and everything had already paid school for OT and speech and physical therapy. Uh, So I couldn't do that anywhere else. They're looking at it as like double dipping. Exactly. So I was like, that's cool. Because you know what? Um, There's tons of physical therapists, Mm -hmm. tons of them that put their stuff out for free on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I was blown away how much stuff I found. 
Um, there's this terrific British lady who does something called cosmic yoga. Okay. And it's all yoga anywhere from 10 minutes to 40 minutes long. And it always has a theme that kids would like. So like she does Minecraft, she does Harry Potter, she does Frozen. Um, she does Sonic the Hedgehog, which my girls love. Oh my God. My and oldest is obsessed with Sonic. That clipped British accent though, they giggle all the way through. Cause they're like, she says, sit on your bottom. And they just, <laughs> and think it's funny. She said bottom. <laughs> 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 they love her though. They love her and she'll do it. And, you know, I stress to them, even if you can't do everything like she does, just do your best, mm -hmm. but just keep them moving. Walmart, I found a big exercise ball for 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have one of those. You know, and we blow that sucker up. Okay, we're going to roll on our stomach on the ball and try to balance it. I'm right here to spot you. Now let's do it on our back. Now can you sit up towards me? You know, it's simple stuff. Um, and her muscle tone still is not fantastic. But... Now that her sister is doing stuff alongside her, yeah, twins like to compete. They can, yeah. I was gonna say there's that competition, uh, sibling rivalry oh, kind of. Man. The you know um, she and she does a lot better with things because she's trying to keep up with her sister, you know, um, which is kind of cool because Gabby she does great at that stuff and loves it. You know she's. Before COVID, she was in dance and she does this and she she's just a really physically active person. So they um, you know that that feeding off each other sometimes mm -hmm. is a positive um when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, but no, we figured out how to do a lot of that stuff um at home just to keep up, and it's probably not perfect and it's not exactly how it would be done in an office with someone who is a professional and not mm -hmm. just their mom. But physical, um, physical but and occupational therapy, physical and occupational therapy for kids is very different than it is for grownups. It's mostly play very. and it's, it's very. climbing ladders and rock walls and um, uh, hammock swings and bouncing off of things and being you know, uh, bins of dry beans and uh, mm -hmm. like those uh, compression, um, like compression sheets that are giant bags and they can like bounce up and down inside the bag. Like they call them the washing exactly. machine thing or whatever. And th there's a lot of stuff that you can, you can duplicate for the most part at home. Yeah. You know? Um, and we found a way, you know, when Lily had um, ABA therapy, we did that for a couple of years with her mm -hmm. in home. One of her um, line therapists was a former, teacher's aide who had just, you know, relocated up to our area. So when she would do things, bouncing a ball was a really super hard one to learn. Um, dribbling, you know, one of the goals was dribble five times in a row. Okay. You know, in working on this one with her, she would like, okay, I'm going to bounce and you got to say words for me. Bat, rat, cat, scat. Okay, you do it. They got to all rhyme. They have to all have the same end. Can you spell them? You work that stuff 
all Mm -hmm. into each other, you know? So we, I think people, especially right now, if our kids are not in school, we tend to think they're not learning as much or they're not doing it this way. So it's not as effective. And I just find that totally not true for the educational part. Lily, since she's been homeschooled, her learning has gone way beyond what Gabby has gotten in school. I see, mine is and the... I, I show her the coursework because Gabby's doing online school this uh-huh. year. And I show her the coursework of stuff that Gabby's doing. And she's like, but I know that mom. Because she does. Yeah, mine's mine's been the opposite. Um, both of my youngest... Emmett, who was in here a minute ago, and Elliot, uh, who's 14, they are both very advanced intellectually and and do really well in school in the building. And the online stuff, it's, well, we, we're doing remote learning. So it's the same school, mostly the same curriculum, but it's just done in a way that I think it's sort of scraping the, not bottom of the barrel, but but it's, the standard and expectations are not as high as they would be if they were lower. Yeah. And, and so they're not really being challenged and, and when they're not challenged, they kind of lose the desire to, to, to do that or spend the time. So there's been a lot of issues with trying to get homework assignments done uh, because like they don't see the point anymore. Like we're trying to survive COVID, what does it matter if we're in school? Because none of this is going to matter. Like they're going to have to do something. I mean, they're going to have to do something like nationwide with school to adjust for what happened during COVID. Like when we get to the other side of this, people are either going to have to pass or they're going to fail. They're going to hold them back or they're going to put them forward. They're going to have to change the way they, um, they view transcripts because you can't hold these like Elliot's a freshman this year. You can now this is on his permanent record you can't hold him accountable for what, you know, he, he did during, you know, a, a global pandemic where he was trying to remote learn, which right. is not something he enjoys doing or is, is, um, it, it's not, it, it's not the best way of learning for him. It doesn't represent what he's capable of doing either, but so they're going to, ha- they're going to have to do something. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but especially with this, with our special needs kids, there's, there is uh, I, I have found in talking to people that it either goes one way or the other. I've not really seen anybody that's like, that eh, it stays about the same. They are, they either do much better remote learning or it is, it's a nightmare. And I've not, I've not, I don't know that I've heard anybody say where we're it's somewhere in the middle. It's either really good or it's really bad. Well, I haven't liked the program they use very much to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, And Gabby, you know, the one thing that Gabby deals with is dyslexia. Mm. So when she's having to read, 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 that's hard enough as it is, much less now it's a computer screen that's straining her eyes in addition to that. Um, So I, I don't think it's as good for her. But the upside for her mom had taken some online college courses because of course, you know, when I was trying to anything that I could do online, when I was doing those courses, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. That's great. Cause I can 
do it at three in the morning after I got up when one of them, you know, woke me up. So I get to show her, okay, Gabby, this is going to be easier when you have a textbook that I can do this with you, but this is how you take notes. Mm -hmm. You have a worksheet ahead of time that you know what you got to fill out. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to look for. You don't have to waste your time learning every single thing on here, you know, and how to, to effectively help her look for the information she needs. Pull out the stuff that's vital and not all the static and background. Right. Yeah. You know, that's gotta be, that's tough though. It, it depends on what you're looking at. She's in fifth grade. So fortunately, you know, it's not like, um, like me where she was taking, she's taking biological psychology, which was mm -hmm. basically neuroscience 101, mm -hmm. yeah. which I, I adored my professor for that, but boy, I do not want to take that again. Holy cannoli. That was just, <laughs> do, does she, my brain hurts. Does, oh, she over, so does she overanalyze? She does not. In fact, she tends to want to um, totally go to another place with it. And it's not like she draws her interest into it either. So what I've been trying to do is make connections for her. She loves to sew. Mm -hmm. She's got this incredible... Like she can eyeball a piece of material and make a shirt. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to measure. Wow. She doesn't need to sit there with, you know, all that kind of stuff. She just, nope, cut here, cut here, cut here. So here, so here, so here. Sure. My youngest is like that. He he does, Close my mind. like he does all, he does most of his math in his head, like complex math in his head. But if you ask him to do it on paper, he can't do it. It has, okay. like he, he does it. Do you ever see, um, what was it? Numbers. I think it was numbers that old TV series where I think the, the brother was an FBI agent and the other kid was like a math. The number three was backwards. He was like a math prodigy. Yeah. 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 And, and so every time he was like trying to solve this problem, he was like all these, like he was visualizing all these different things in the air. And I, and that's how I see Emmett does math and things like that. And so he can, I mean, he doesn't do shirts, but he does these, um, they're, they've been making like costumes and stuff out of cardboard. Cause we, I mean, Amazon is our best friend right now. So we have <laughs> lots of cardboard and, and they, I mean, he makes these complex things and I'm like, like, I, I don't know. So I cool. didn't know you could make something like actually round, like, like a ball kind of thing out of cardboard, like, like three dimensional. Wow. And he just, he, I don't know how he does it, but he just, he visualizes things. But if we have, uh, going over some of his schoolwork and you look at some of the questions, he cannot answer questions that where, where you have, um, there's four right answers, but only one of them is the most right answer. And yes. he, he, he doesn't, he can't, those freak him out and he just gets upset because there's no, he doesn't understand. Well, they're all, they're all right answers dad, what, how, how can they be wrong if they're right? And, and, and so he, he, he reads way, 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 way too into things sometimes. And I was just wondering if, if your daughter did the same thing. No, no. My daughter with autism, Lily, mm -hmm. have to work really hard on main idea stuff. Um, so fortunately I found some different workbooks. I found two, my kids learn 
better when they can touch things. Mm -hmm. So that tactile with the paper somehow helps. I don't know what the connection is there. I'm sure there's some study on it I can look up, but um, she gets it a lot better that way. So Lily, I have to, what I do is I go back. If she does, most of the time she gets it right. But I have to go back and find that one little detail that makes one answer better than another. Once I've explained it to her, she's fine. Um, and she's getting better at it. So I think with practice, she'll be okay. But Gabby, most of the time she looks at those and she just goes, God, that's stupid. But <laughs> she, uh, I call it, she turns into her mom because she does the, you know what? All of the grammar is wrong on all of them. And I can't believe their editors let this go through the process and get published. They should be embarrassed. He was getting wrong <laughs> answers because the answers were, were case sensitive. Um, where, And that's insane. It's insane. He would, he would, and he would get so, and it's so discouraging for him. Yeah. Uh, because it was case sensitive and it was just a way that the answer had been typed in by the person who, who did it. And it wasn't the teacher's fault. It was just a glitch that ended up happening and they got all the credit back or whatever. But it, it was, I mean, it just, it just breaks him. Like he doesn't know how to, it's like putting a, I mean, it's, you, you see this well-oiled intellectual machine and then this one thing, it just like throws a wrench in and it all comes crashing down because it's the right answer, but it wasn't the first letter wasn't capitalized or yep. he capitalized it. And when they wrote the answer in, it was lowercase. And so the way that the answers are, are checked is that they're exact. So even if he spelled it wrong or the spelling was, um, off or, or, you know, whatever that it would be wrong instead of, and so that, that this whole remote learning thing has been very challenging for a number of reasons, but, but I mean, it's that or COVID and I, you know, choose this over yeah. taking the risk. So I, um, you know, a good and a bad thing happened this last week. I'm most afraid of COVID with my daughter that has autism because her, you know, I was talking before about how she, she wouldn't pivot and she'd fall flat on her face. Mm -hmm. She would stand back up with blood gushing out of her nose. I'm okay and take off. Oh yeah. Because now her body was turned. No pain. We used to have to carry her kicking and screaming with blue lips out of the snow in the winter because she couldn't feel pain from cold. Mm -hmm. It was just a couple of years ago, the first time I heard her say my cheeks hurt because they were cold. Um, and Wisconsin winters have earned their reputation, please believe me. Yeah, oh, 30 no. below is not unheard of in February. So the other day she was crying and she was laying on the couch on her side with her legs curled up crying. And I went to her and I'm like, what's wrong? It hurts, mom. Where does it hurt? It hurt on her left side. It turns out she had really bad gas. Thank God. Okay. But um, <laughs> she's like, it hurts. And I can't, I don't know where, you know, I can't identify pain. 
And she really can't. She has a hard time pinpointing where it hurts. So I thank God it was the left side and not the right where it might be appendicitis. Yeah. And it was near, it, she could tell at least it was closer to her hip and not up by her ribs where it was her pancreas, you know? Um, but I'm so grateful that I had to take anatomy and that I kept the book because I, I have to figure this out with her. She can't tell you. And Lily with COVID, my God, she, if she didn't develop a fever, you wouldn't know she'd be half dead before I even knew my oldest. Um, I used to be a fire medic. And, and so I, it's the same way. Like I, I, I hung on all my old stuff, but I still retain a lot of that experience and that knowledge. And my oldest has always really frustrated me because he does not interpret pain the way that I think we were intended to interpret pain. And so if you ask him what's wrong, you know, and, and he has this whole laundry list of serious health issues that we need descriptions when you're experiencing something, I need to know specifically what's happening in order to know what right. we're supposed to do. And he can't tell us there's times where he would have, um, you know, stomach problems for three weeks before he would think to tell us, but he would make sure I knew he had a splinter, you know, or do you know what <laughs> yep. I mean? Like, like, like you could slam his, he could slam his fingers in the car door and be fine. I mean, his fingers could be broken and mangled and he would be like, he'd shake it off and he gets a hangnail and it's the end of the world. Or Mom, I, I hugged me too hard. Yeah. I, know exactly what I remember he was in the hospital. He has an autonomic condition that it's, he's almost died a couple times from it. And when he goes into these crises, uh, his, his heart rate, his body just stops controlling his heart rate and blood pressure and body temp and stuff like that. And, uh, he, a lot of times he goes unresponsive and it hasn't happened in a long time. I'm going to find some wood here just to make sure. Um, and the doctors would always ask him like, you know, sometimes he would be in pain. Sometimes it, it wouldn't hurt. Sometimes he would just be whatever, but he would, they would be like, okay, Gavin, like, what does it feel like? And he's like, it feels like a shovel in my chest. Well, what the hell does that mean? Wow. I, I mean, and, and, and the issue isn't even necessarily in his chest. He just has no and then he tries so hard to tell you what he thinks you want to hear that, mm -hmm. that you never know. Uh, his therapist always calls him an inaccurate historian <laughs> because, and it's not, he's not lying. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know how to, he, he lacks that. I don't know if it's not really expressive language. It's, I mean, I guess it's it is the translation. Yeah. He just doesn't, it doesn't register. And he, there is, there is very little, very little chance of getting reliable information out of him in any kind of emergency situation. And, and that always bothers me because as a medic information is your friend, like knowledge is power. You need to know, is it chest pain? What does the chest pain feel like? Because he's had bouts of chest pain uh, before it ended up being reflux, but we didn't know that at the time because you know, there was history um, on his biological dad's side of uh spontaneous aortic dissections and so oh my gosh he says chest pain that's exactly where my head goes and so right. i'm thinking like oh my god oh my god oh my god we're gonna like and so i'm trying to ask questions and stuff like that and it turns out he had to fart or i mean it was it was any number <laughs> of things 
but because of the way that he can't describe it, you have to treat everything like it's life threatening because you don't know otherwise and you don't want to find out the hard way. So it's just like you said, like if, if she were to get COVID, you wouldn't know until, mm-hmm. until well into it, uh, when you're behind the eight ball and there's, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's anxiety and inducing for me as a parent. Think of too, the whole issue with if she had to be hospitalized. Oh. Now, thankfully here, right now, our caseloads are going crazy. Mm-hmm. Our hospitalizations are almost tapped out. Luckily, right now, our two local hospitals are still allowing parents in with the children. One parent per child. Mm-hmm. By the way, since I'm a single parent, that means my other daughter doesn't get to see her twin sister. She might stay with my sister. She might stay with my friend, Rachel. It depends how their family is doing with the COVID stuff and where she can go. These are no win situations. So I would be able to be there with Lily to talk for her. Mm-hmm. But what about when the cases are high enough, our hospital and our hospitalizations will be there very shortly. Yeah. I think within the week where you, a parent can't go with their kid. I have no idea. I, I don't know. You know, you see uh, one of the, one of my friends who's, who's been on a podcast a couple of times, her name is Amy Nielsen and she's in Florida and her, uh, her young son with, with autism was diagnosed with COVID and oh he was, he was largely asymptomatic and then her husband got it. And, um, I don't think, I think she never tested positive. So she may have been asymptomatic, but they're in the same small space. I don't know how you can, you know, there's sure. odds are she did, she said, uh, and they were very, very lucky, but, but I have been, I've been contacted by, uh, parents who, who have had not even just special needs kids, but just kids in general who are in the hospital and they're alone in the hospital. They're not allowed mm-hmm. to see them. You're not allowed in the building. And, and if something happens, it happens alone. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't even begin to fathom that. That's why like when people like Rob, you're overreacting, Rob, you know, just, you can't hide from the virus. What like, God damn right. I'm going to hide as long as I can hide because my kids will not die alone in a hospital. Never. It will yeah. not happen. I will not go through that. I will not put them through that. And if we have to hunker down for as long as we have to do to keep ourselves safe and everyone around us safe, then that's what we're going to do. Because I, I, it would be hard enough for a neurotypical kid to react to something, to, to handle a situation like that. I have no idea. Like you said, reliable information would be with Lily. They to even do to prick her finger for blood. I have to hold her down. Yeah. Literally. I mean, I have to lay on top of her and hold her hand out. Yeah. Where she can't even see it to get her flu shot this year. Same thing. Um, Last year, she and her sister both got the flu and they had to do a nasal swab. Mm -hmm. Not only me laying on top of her, while she sits in the chair. Now, mind you, I'm double her weight and a nurse holding one arm 
and the lab tech holding the other arm while doing the swab as my hands have got the head tilted back. Mm -hmm. And she still almost bucked all of us off. She's afraid of things like that, you know, and hospitalized, they would have to sedate her to do anything. And then I was talking to someone else about this and it's as terrible as it is. And this is one of the reasons why the state of our country right now, just, I, I, I can't even deal with it anymore. We, everybody thinks like, oh, you know, well, not everybody, most the people who are sort of denying everything are like, oh, it's just like the flu. It's not a big deal. They'll get sick. They'll get better. But you know what? Like, maybe, maybe not. Let's just say, let's just say they're running low on hospital beds, right? Or the ICU is, is over capacity and they have two people who need a ventilator. They have a special needs kid and they have somebody who does not have special needs who, who gets the bed. You know, I mean, there's, there are so many things as a parent that have me freaked out, you know, because they're, I mean, they're going to triage. They're going to have to, I mean, they've already come to points where they have to triage people. And if it's like my oldest, for example, who has all of these health issues and you have someone who may be more likely to survive, they're going to pick the person who's more likely to survive. And, and like I live with that every single day. I know that, that that's a really, that that's a realistic possibility. And so we take it very, very seriously because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to ever find myself in one of those positions. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, we, we kind of got on the COVID thing, but, but, uh, it does suck, especially. Well, it's scary. I, and I think it's scary for every parent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different things for special needs parents when it comes to this. You know, we do have some added risks that no one else deals with. Um, and when your kid can't communicate effectively. That's a big problem. In those kind of situations. Yeah, it becomes life or death at that point. It's good that some of us are wanting to listen to the scientists for a change. Mm-hmm. You know, um, here in my state, there's many people that um, did not take this seriously for a long time until the last couple of weeks. And um, Wisconsin doesn't make the New York Times usually outside of an election year. And, and when they do, it's because we're a tight race and all that, not because our COVID cases are off the charts. Yeah. Um, Newfield Hospital in Milwaukee got opened up for overflow and a new testing site was set up by the Surgeon General 10 miles from where I live. So the feds have figured out this place is really cutting it close to. Yeah. Um, Are your kids aware? And, and I hate, I hate for people to wait that long to get serious about stuff. Are my kids aware? Very. Are they aware? Um, yeah. Well, it's hard not to my, be. Both of my girls are really, they love science like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I find 
I get a lot of research papers that before all of this, I did copy editing for cognitive psychology research. Mm -hmm. So like when you read this study says, I'm the lady who um, double checked the study. And did you really look at this paper? And does this paper really say what you said it does? And did you do your test right? And is your math right? And like a fact checker? Kind um, of? Did you cross your... Well, fact checker, copy editor. So I have to, one, one scientific paper is probably going to have 20 or more references. Mm -hmm. So first I check all the references, which means I read all those papers. Does it say what you said it did to help support your thing? Mm -hmm. Then I check your study. Is it sound? Did you use proper sciences? Are your statistics right? Then I check your grammar and your wording. And then I send it all back to you, the sea of red mm -hmm. <laughs> with one nice clean one after it that has everything changed. Hmm. So I get to read a lot of studies. Um, and the girls really liked to learn about those, especially when it had something to do with um, perception which is a lot of cognitive psychology. Yeah. So why do some people, you know, um, see it this way and other people see it that way? Mm -hmm. Or what's the margin of um, what you're going to believe in a certain situation and that kind of thing. So we get to have a lot of good discussions about that, but we also get to look at some different medical things. Um, that I've done, which are more with um, pathogens and genetics and things like that. So talking about COVID is not hard to do with them because we've talked about so much of the science with those kinds of things. So they're like, yep, it's a virus. And Gabby said to me like six months ago, she goes, mom, there's no way this thing isn't airborne. <laughs> <laughs> just cracked up Wow! because here's my 10 year old saying, yeah, it's got to be in water droplets because nothing else makes sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was right, you know, yeah. um, in just looking at the different science stuff. So, yeah. When, when can she run for uh, office? Is there, is there an age? <laughs> I like to talk to them about it, but they're very aware of how fatal it can be. And I think that's scary for them. Yeah. You know. Oh, wow. There, there, there really is just, I don't know. There is so much, you know, being a special needs parent is difficult when the world isn't burning around you, you know? And now yeah. it, it's, you know, I, I, like for me, I am constantly worried about, my kids haven't even really seen their mom a whole lot. Um, cause her and I agreed there, there's people at risk, high risk in her house and people high risk here that we just can't take the chance, you know? So we decided to shut our own house down. Yeah. That's we're, we're not going for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Oh you yeah. Know? No, um, my they, sister and I already discussed it cause we usually do it all at her house and we're like, no, we just can't this year, you know? And, and I feel horrible for my mom. Yeah. You know, because she's by herself. Um, 
you know, she turned 72 this year. She's not going to be with us that much longer either. Yeah. Um, and she's not getting to see her grandkids. You know, I hate that. Um, I'd hate worse if they got her sick accidentally. Oh, yeah. You know? There's. I'm telling you, there are people, these people who don't take this seriously, they are walking around. You could be literally be walking around the body count and have no idea because you don't even know that you're sick, you know? And, and uh, like, we're, yeah. we're to the point where like, if the kids have gone back and forth, I think three times since March, which is, which is awful because I mean, that's so hard on their mom. It's so hard on the kids. Um, but they, in order to do it, they have to quarantine. We we've agreed that like if, if their house quarantines for 14 days and everybody's okay, then, you know, we're always quarantined so we can, they'll go over for a few days and then I'll come get them and bring them home. And then they go on with their lives for a little bit. And then when, cool. when they're in a place to quarantine, you know, and, and it may have to get to a point where we're quarantining for more than 14 days. I mean, it, it just, it just depends on, on how all of this stuff, you know, with flu season, and everything else, but it's tough. It's tough on the kids. It's tough on the parents. School's a nightmare. You know, I think teachers are doing the best they can. And it just is, there's, you know, I don't know, by the time you guys, by the time this is actually released, we'll already know the outcome of, you know, November 3rd, I think probably. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll know. Yes. <laughs> we don't need that drug out any longer. It has to be. Um, so, so hopefully change, <laughs> you know, is going to help move things in a positive direction and, and just give us hope to, to see the end of this and stuff. So, um, is there, is there anything else you wanted anybody to know about, you know, what your life is like or, uh, about autism in general or, or any advice or anything like that that you wanted to impart on our listeners? Well, um, gosh, that's loaded. Well, it's not meant to be loaded. um, Actually, it it does come across that way. I I need to reword (laughs) that. But that's what people. No, no, no. That's what always people Um, always ask me, and and I'm like, damn, I don't want to. I just feel like I'm the last person to give advice. Um, I think that uh, sometimes I just want to be too hard on myself and I have noticed I'm not the only special needs parent that does that you know if I only do this or that or the other then this and that will all be okay Mm -hmm. um and having COVID around you know we all feel pretty powerless yeah and I think that's the hardest part for everybody is just like I can't do crap about this. Yeah. Um, I can try, but I can't change it. I can't really make it better. Um, And it feels a lot like when we got the autism diagnosis, because even though it was my suspicion, it's my fault. Genetic, nurtured, nature, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. I'm the parent. And I can't make it better and I can't fix it and I can't protect them a hundred percent from it. And I hate that feeling. 
Um, I think a lot of people do. And because we're special needs parents, we work so hard on the trying to make things better portion. That when something like this, that's a complete brick wall, um, is just so frustrating, you know, and so hard to deal with. Yeah. I've noticed I, it helps me a lot to, um, if you can imagine doing so, because I know how early most of us probably get up anyway, <laughs> preparing everything for our kids in the day, but, you know, to get up that extra few minutes and just sit by myself. Um, I practice Buddhism and there's something in, there's a writing um, by a Buddhist monk who talks about the monkey brain when you meditate. So me, meditation is not like a big special thing, but just sitting in a chair with my coffee and close my eyes and just breathe. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing special. And my brain starts doing this. It's round and round and round and it's jumping all over the place and it's hanging off a tree and it's throwing a banana. And that's what I call my monkey brain. It's got all these thoughts that just go, go, go. And I just let them mm -hmm. and acknowledge, yeah, my brain's going to do that. And so is the rest of the world. Um, and it helps me to bring back to what my true purpose is with my family, which is take care of us all mm -hmm. the best we can including yourself you know, that's including ourselves yeah. you know but i'm really glad I got to do this today thank you well i i really appreciate it um it, it'll it, i think we're a couple of weeks behind so it, it'll probably be it'll probably be after the election before this comes out but uh i'll, I'll make sure to keep you in a loop and, and let you know and okay. it really was it was a pleasure talking to you I've learned a lot and, uh, and I hope everybody else has as well. So stay safe and, uh, everybody vote. I know it's probably too late to say that now, but vote, <laughs> you know, so, well, you know, there's going to be more elections after the presidential one. Can you believe that there's <sighs> other elections? Yeah, I know. Still vote. Always. If you vote. haven't already done it. Always vote. I'm yeah. Well, won't go, with, won't go any deeper than that. You guys just go vote. All right. Take, take care. And, uh, you too. I'll catch you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Before I let you guys go, I just wanted to say thank you to Bernadette for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. You, uh, you have fantastic insights and, and I'm so grateful that you are so willing to share your life and your journey so openly and honestly. I know that I learned a lot. I'm, I'm super fascinated with, how, how autism kind of works with twins. Um, and I, and I just, I, I appreciate you being so willing to, to share everything. I enjoy the conversation. I hope you stay in touch. Uh, if you ever need me, you know how to get a hold of me. Uh, if you guys need to get a hold of me, you can find me at the autismdad.com. All of my social links are at the top of the page. You can find, listen, and subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. Just hit that button that says subscribe. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate and review. Uh, it really does kind of help me to kind of move in a better direction. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, please stay safe guys. You know, COVID is, is very serious and it's out of control right now. And, um, I really, really hope that you guys stay safe. So have a great weekend and, uh, I will talk to you guys next Friday. Thanks. Bye.
Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strengthened connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code theautismdata at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.